Hey, hockey fans, welcome to Across the Pond Hockey Talks Volume 23. I'm Chris Ivany, and my guest today is from beautiful Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's the current USA Hockey Coach in Chief for the state of Montana. He has experience coaching both nationally and internationally at the youth, high school, junior, collegiate, and national team levels. He's currently coaching the Montana State University Bobcats, running his own business, Elevated Hockey, and is the co-host of the Let's Go podcast. Please welcome to Across the Pond Hockey Talks, Coach Pete Kamen. How are you, Coach? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Chris. I'm excited to talk some hockey with you here today. Yeah, it's always great to talk to another hockey guy. Um, So first off, uh, Pete, how are things in Montana right now? Things are good. Just uh, enjoying the the summer months here. We have long, cold winters, and so you get to enjoy the the nice, uh, warm summers for a bit. So uh, dealing with the COVID COVID crisis here a little bit, but haven't been as hit as hard as many of the other areas. So things are, we're just being careful and trying to stay healthy here. Right. And speaking of health, you're just getting over a little surgery on your knee. I hope, uh, I hope your recovery goes well and uh, you'll be back on the ice before, before you know it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I had ACL surgery just a couple days ago, so got to get healed up before the season so get back on the ice that's right so uh pete obviously you have a huge passion for the game of hockey anyone that's heard your podcast or heard you heard you talk about hockey you can tell right away how much you love the game how did hockey become such a big part of your life yeah it's it's kind of been a part of my life for as long as i can remember you know i grew up in uh i was born in, in minneapolis like you mentioned and and you know there in minnesota is kind of a way of life and when i was young i i family moved to Chicago area in Illinois and uh but along the way you know I started playing hockey in Minnesota and grew up my brother younger brothers and I playing in Chicago my dad played growing up uh when he was in Minnesota and uh you know I just kind of always grew up around the rinks and when we we actually moved around a little bit when I was a kid and uh so I picked up roller hockey when I was out in California for a couple years in high school but um, which I still love to this day, but ice hockey was kind of always a passion. So I played, I, I think I started learning to skate when I was around three or four and started playing organized hockey around five and, you know, played all the way through, through high school. And then, um, kind of right at the end of high school, I had a, had a decision make of, you know, am I going to go to college, not specifically for hockey, but go to college to get my education or, you know, I had a tryout set with a, a junior hockey team and they're kind of the same weekend, the, the main camp and the and freshman orientation. And, you know, it's pretty realistic on where I was in, in hockey and I ended up going the college route um, and decided not to play juniors. And I ended up playing on the club hockey team at Miami of Ohio and turned out to be a good decision. Cause I ended up, uh, we ended up winning nationals my freshman year. And those players from that year are still some of my best friends and ended up, you know, my, ended up meeting my wife through one of my teammates and made kind of all my life decisions, uh, worked out pretty well from that, that well, one choice. <laughs> it certainly seems like they have. I mean, um, it's a tough decision as a, as a young teenager, 16, 17, 18. Did you know pretty early on that, you know, playing hockey might not be, uh, be the route for you? Uh, you know, I think I, you know, when I was a kid, I always had dreams of, of playing, you know, playing in the NHL or mm-hmm. playing college hockey. And, you know, you, you look back and you realize that like, I, I just didn't have a very probably realistic grasp of what it took to reach those levels. Yeah. And that's one of the things I work with a lot of kids now. Um, you know, it's one thing to say like, I'm going to go play pro hockey. And it's another thing to understand the steps to get to that level mm-hmm. and in what, you know, what sacrifices and what, you know, pr- progressions you need to make in order to do that. And looking back at my own career, you know, I don't think I ever had that or I ever had anybody kind of telling me, 
where I was at, you know, like I was kind of a, I always was decent for my age group where I was, but that doesn't mean I was good enough to go play at at the advanced levels. And so, um, you know, I always had aspirations of playing higher. And then the fact that I got to play in college at the ACHA level was, was great for me. That was, you know, I got to have hockey as part of my college experience, but yeah, like I said, I never, I never really had aspirations. Like I always wanted it to be like a career or like play pros, but I never really had true aspirations of doing that because I think I just never really had a full grasp on what it, that really was. Right. So you did end up ultimately making that decision to go to uh, the University of Miami of Ohio. Um, tell us a little bit about that year. You, just, you mentioned it already. You did win a national championship in your freshman year. So tell me about that team and, uh, and that ride to the national championship. Yeah, that was, uh, it was wild. So I ended up, uh, it was kind of like looking back as a pretty, pretty signature moment in my life because in, in tryouts, I ended up getting hit from behind. And, and I ended up, uh, separating, I think it was like separating three ribs from my spine. So I could barely walk for like a month. Uh, and I actually had a flash where I thought I might've been paralyzed and think, you know, thankfully I wasn't, but, um, I ended up, you know, I ended up completing tryouts because I wanted to make the team so bad, but I ended up getting cut and I was the last guy cut from the team. And so I, I remember talking to the coach and, and explaining the situation. I got hurt on like the second day of tryouts and I really believe I can play for you. And, and so he was like, you know, I'll give you another chance, just heal up and you can come, I'll give you a practice. And, and I ended up, you know, taking about a month or month and a half into practice. I kind of was healed up to the point where I could, you know, skate again. And then I ended up getting a roster spot like halfway through the first semester where I kind of came out to practice and kind of earned my way onto it. And so I was kind of de- deep in the depth charts, but I got, you know, got put into a few games and played and that team was, was really quite strong. So we had a, we had a lot of guys with D one experience and a lot of guys that, um, you know, from all over the country that were very high level junior players. And, you know, we just had, we just clicked too. And we, you know, we were really a tight bonded locker room and tight yeah. tight such, group such an important guys. thing to win a championship you don't win one without a without a, a tight group yeah and we, you know we had kind of our our classic like you know we lot we dropped a game early in the season to a really bad team and tied a team that was really weak and then kind of figured it out and got past that and ended up having to like i think two kids got kicked off the team and kind of had our troubles but then kind of rose above it and you know and still to this day you look back you know our, our that team specifically that year was, you know, we're still tight. I've got a, I've got a text thread with those 25 guys that we still awesome. all are, you know, 20 some years later, all messing around, telling jokes and stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a super tight knit group of guys that we just kind of, everything kind of clicked and, you know, we just kind of willed our way. We weren't necessarily the best team on the ice every time, but we just kind of willed our way to win when, uh, when it counted. Yeah. Those friendships and, uh, bonds you make, those, those are for life. And, um, that's one of the benefits of being a hockey player. Were you surprised at all about the level of hockey in the ACHA? And can you tell my listeners, um, a little bit about what the level of hockey is in that league? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a huge proponent of the ACHA and, you know, a lot of people don't, aren't really familiar with it. And the, the reality is, is that, you know, in college hockey in the, in the United States, the, the, the pinnacle is NCAA division one, and then you got NCAA division three, and then you've got ACHA American collegiate hockey association mm-hmm. division one, two, and three. And the ACHA is essentially, you know, in years past, it was always called club hockey. And the reality is, is that the club hockey, the, probably a, a big chunk of the teams now are actually varsity programs just for smaller schools. And so the quality of hockey is unbelievable. And, you know, it's, it, it's all over the map because there's, you know, 500 plus teams at that level. 
but uh you know at the the top half of those 500 are highly organized highly structured high skill you know with strong coaching staffs and organizations and you know and i would you know i going to the national now that i'm coaching in the acha and we went to the national finals last year and you know i would challenge anybody to walk in that rink and watch the acha d1 national tournament or the d2 national tournament and if you didn't know it like you you'd think it's it's ncaa hockey and it's it's uh i'm a huge proponent because it's it's a it's high level hockey and it's a chance for kids to keep hockey in their um you know as part of their college experience so i think it's a great it's a great thing of course, I couldn't agree more. And and the more I learn about these leagues and and even the leagues overseas, the level of hockey in most of these Division One semi pro leagues, whether it's a semi pro league or collegiate level, there's so much depth now in the world of hockey. It doesn't surprise me at all to hear that um, that it's just such a high level being played in the ACHA. Um, so, Pete, you you spent four four great years there. You got your degree. Um, where did life take you after your fourth year? Yeah, so after I finished up uh, finished up school, and I was actually there for five years. I, okay. I, that's kind of how I got into my coaching. I my last year, I didn't play at all, and I uh, was an assistant coach for the team because I graduated at semester. But I ended up coming out to Montana, and I had some family ties to the area, and I kind of have another kind of love of mine was always skiing. And so I, when I graduated in at semester in December, I moved out to Big Sky, Montana, to basically just be a ski bum for six months and uh you know so i like bartended and waiting to wait at tables and work conferences and skied all day and and worked at night and you know played in the beer leagues and and that was kind of my my six-month plan to just kind of put off real world for a little bit and then uh that six-month plan i think i've I've been out here in montana now like 17 years so it's uh i just never left and uh kind of yeah i put down roots here in montana i just kind of realized that this is where i wanted to be and where i wanted to kind of stay long term so i was up at the ski resort for several years and uh made my way down about an hour away to, to bozeman montana which is where i am now and your first stint in montana that's when you were originally um approached to start your coaching career tell them tell me the story about um about that how you got started in the coaching world yeah so i was uh it was at that time that i was living in big sky and i would drive down to the rink in bozeman about an hour drive and play in the in the adult leagues and the beer leagues and i had my miami my red miami helmet on from from school and one of the the rink directors the the junior hockey coach at the time uh john lafontaine was actually a he was a coach of the bozeman ice dogs team and then the youth hockey director and then he was actually also a graduate of miami of ohio okay and so i, he, reckon, he I recognize that last name yeah he's uh his brother uh you know scored a few goals in yeah, the nhl just a, so just he, a few yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so kind of came from a famous famous hockey family and, and yeah. so john was the first guy he kind of grabbed me after the game was like hey where'd you get that helmet yeah. And, uh, you know, I told him I played for him the year before and he was like, Hey, I'm actually looking for an assistant coach. Would you, would you want to help me out? And, you know, long story short, I, I did. And it was a great, you know, he gave me my first kind of shot at, um, you know, being an assistant and the way it worked is that he was the, the high school coach, youth director and junior coach. And so in the, the weekend games, when the junior team, and the high school team had game conflicts. Like he would have to go with the junior team. And then I would myself and another guy would the assistants would, would coach the high school team, but he okay. would run all the practices. So mm-hmm. it was a great opportunity to learn from a, a very yeah. um, experienced coach. So that was kind of my first, my first jump into it. And what were your early impressions of coaching in general? Did you think it was something that you were going to enjoy? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think part of me when I was playing, like maybe through high school and, and college, I always knew I would be a coach at some time. Like my dad was my coach growing up and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of my friends, the other coaches that I grew up playing for were, uh, they were mostly my friends, dads, guys who played college or pro hockey. And so I kind of always just assumed like, Oh, one day I'll be a coach when I'm a dad. And, yeah. but I never really looked at it more than, than that. And when I started coaching, I always, it was like, well, it was kind of a fun little side project. And then it was kind of like, you know, a way to give back to the hockey community. And, um, so I just enjoyed it, but I never really expected it to kind of get to where it is now. And, you know, I got even as I, I just enjoyed it a lot more than I, I thought I was going to, and and just being able to help a lot of the, the kids and, and, you know, watch them progress and kind of make a positive impact on them was, was something that, I really enjoyed a lot more than I expected and kind of dove, dove into it more than I ever thought I would. Yeah. It's amazing how much joy you can get out of watching a kid's success, uh, someone you're coaching. Um, Pete, you stayed there for a short time and then you had some pretty interesting experiences with hockey overseas. Uh, first of all, how did you end up in Namibia? <laughs> yeah. So I was coaching the high school team here. Like we had mentioned, I yep. did that for a couple of seasons. Um, and really, I mean, it's a long story, but the short, short version is really just, I got a, a random phone call from one of my uncles and he had a friend that went over to Namibia, which is the country just North of South Africa. Yeah. And the Got, there's a guy that goes over there and he, he brings doctors to do medical missions and then they go on some safaris and they do their thing and, and they stay at these these game lodges. And the owner of one of the game lodges had a kid who played roller hockey in this association. And apparently, um, you know, there's five associations in Namibia and, and the, the one that I ended up coaching kind of was the only one that didn't have foreign coaches coming in. They kind of were the last that were just parent run and they were looking to bring in a, a, a coach that had more experience than the parents did to, to kind of help level the playing field a little bit. Yeah. And so this guy that went over there, he's like, I'll find you a coach. No problem. So the other coaches were all from Canada and Germany and Czech Republic. And um, he's like, I'll find you an American coach. And came back to the U S he called my uncle. He's like, Hey, you're from Minnesota. You know, any hockey coaches? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, by yeah, default. My, yeah. By, yeah. He's like, oh, you're right. I am from Minnesota. I do know some hockey coaches. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so my uncle was like, Hey, there's this wild thing over in Africa. They're looking for a coach. Uh, and I, you know, I was young and single a couple of years out of school and, um, coaching hockey. And so I looked into it and then kind of did a little back and forth over email with them and, and basically sight unseen said yes. And, put everything I owned in a storage unit and, and went over there for a year. That's awesome, man. It's such a great leap of faith to make. Uh, when you were, just not to backtrack too much, and I know, I'm not sure how many years you were in LA, but at the time you were in LA or in California, were you pl- playing only roller hockey or were you playing ice hockey at the time as well? Yeah, so I was there for three years. Three freshman, years. Yeah, freshman, sophomore, junior year of high school. Then okay. we ended up moving back back to the same. My senior year, I finished up the same area of Chicago I uh, grew up in. So same, which is kind of a weird thing in itself, playing with all the kids I grew up playing with. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I was, in, I was in Orange County, California for, I was kind of in the Mission Viejo area, just north of San Diego, south of LA. Um, for three years, I played both roller and ice. Um, okay. So I played so you did- a, you had some experience in roller hockey then. 
Yeah. So I, you know, I grew up playing ice my whole life and then continued playing on like a travel club team over there. So I was traveling all over the state and out of state for tournaments and stuff. But then my high school had a varsity JV and freshman roller hockey team. And so that's kind of how I got into it. It was like, well, they're like, they don't have a ice hockey team, but they have a roller hockey team. So I just played on that. And then that turned into joining some tournament teams. And then, um, for those three years, I, was there i ended up getting pretty pretty heavy into roller hockey and and i did both side by side right it's it's interesting because i'm i'm in asia now and i've i've heard the stories and i've uh, had people on my podcast telling the stories about you know ball hockey roller hockey um being some of the earliest things uh, elements or, or parts of hockey that we've seen in asia because the lack of rinks and the ice time and things like that so it's kind of similar to the southern U.S., but it happened earlier. You know what I mean? It, it happened earlier in the southern U.S. where you started with roller hockey. Ice hockey started to creep its way. Gretzky came down to California. All of a sudden, hockey's important. Like This, this development, of it's kind of similar how it's happening here now. It's just like 15, 20 years behind. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's uh, you know, it, it, there's... In its essence, it's still the game, right? Like yeah. the, there's some big differences, but there's some huge similarities too. And the biggest thing that you know for growing the game is that it just eliminates some of the the, the barriers to entry, and you know most notably the cost right. of exactly. ice time. Yeah. And you know, so when it's developing in a lot of those areas, like it's hard for people to wrap their head around. But the the cost of equipment and ice time, where all of a sudden if you can, it's a lot easier to to, to wrap your head around that you know, that, that entry point of, of just getting the, the roller blades or the roller skates in. And yeah. so, yeah. And the, and the same thing over in Africa, it's, it's, you know, in Namibia, they don't have ice rinks, but they're able to have roller hockey, you know, concrete. Yeah. And then it grew to nicer facilities, nicer, and nicer. And now they've got a huge league going there. Yeah. But it's amazing how it starts and it all it takes is, you know, a group of people with a passion for the game. And, and once young kids start playing hockey, I mean, it's pretty quick that they get hooked, hooked on the game. Yeah, totally. It's yeah. Uh, there's not too many people that you know get into it and then go, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> this isn't a fun. This isn't a fun pretty, game at all. Yeah, yeah you I, never I hear that. Know. Yeah, yeah it's, so, it's addicting for sure. No matter where you are. No question. Uh, you had a, some other interesting experiences, and I want to know if were you as surprised as I was to see hockey in places like, and the passion people have for hockey in places like Africa, and you also had some experience in Asia and India. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. So I. Uh, I was totally surprised by that. I mean, growing up in suburban Chicago and in Minneapolis and California, like you just kind of lived in that bubble of the U S that I just thought, you know, hockey's there and it's in Canada and you hear about it in Sweden and Finland every now and then. And that's about it. Right. And then you, uh, but after the Africa thing, you know, I hadn't really traveled a ton before that, but I started kind of, it kind of opened my eyes to the rest of the world. So I, I learned all about hockey in Africa and, um, it got me interested in, in kind of specifically in hockey and kind of non-traditional markets. And yeah. so I kind of gone out of my way to, to just learn about these different things. And so like the India, I had the experience to go skate in Leh in Ladakh, India. And that all happened because I was, I was in India for a, a, a friend's wedding, uh, kind of near Mumbai. And I, I just pulled up Google and started researching and figured out what the hockey scene was like in India. And then I ended up finding, uh, uh, an organization called the Hockey Foundation, and and one day I, I just reached out to him and just said, "Hey, this is kind of who I am and what I do, and I'd love to get involved." And it's a nonprofit organization that helps donate gear and bring coaches overseas, and and helps uh, empower women, and and helps with some literacy campaigns and school campaigns. And 
you know, I just said, Hey, I'd like to help out. And I got involved with those guys and, um, did some marketing work with them and some grant writing and then kind of worked, uh, on the ground coaching some teams and helping with some, some programs for their, their big event, uh, world record event here. I think it was like two years ago. Wow. You've had some crazy experiences, man. And it's awesome. I love hearing these stories about, you know, places in the middle of nowhere where you never expect <laughs> a, a bag of pucks and some hockey sticks to show up. And all of a sudden you got a, a, a developing sport in the community. It's amazing. It is. It is. And it's, it translates like no matter where you go, everybody loves it. And, yeah. uh, but yeah, finding these little pockets, like when we were in, in India up in, in Ladakh, you know, Ladakh's a region. And, and in that region, I think there's like over I mean, there's thousands of hockey players up there, wow. up in the Himalayas, yeah. and it's, you'd never think it. But yeah. like, and some of them are really good, and yeah. you know, it's they're it's all outdoor natural ice, and they're playing, and that's where the the Indian men's and women's national teams come from. Mm-hmm. All these players, and they all have their own little sport clubs from different towns and communities, and they come together for big festivals. And it's, I mean, it's a it's a huge scene. I mean, it's awesome. It's a hockey community. And, you know, from that experience, when I was over in India, when I was flying back, I had a layover in Kuala Lumpur. I had like a 30 some hour layover and same thing. I just kind of started searching around and I found some, some information about hockey in Malaysia and reached out to a group. And I ended up that in that 30 hour period, I jumped on the ice and, and ran a two hour two, one hour practice. So for two hours, I, I ran practice for a bunch of little kids just for That's free. Amazing. And, yeah. That's awesome. I just bar. I found uh, found a Canadian expat. He let me borrow his gear, and and I jumped on the ice with all these kids. And because uh, I wherever I I go, I typically just donate my gear and leave it there to let somebody else right. kind of use it. And but yeah, so I, I jumped. This this guy from Toronto was there, and he uh, he and I I wore his old stuff and coached the kids for two hours, and then that turned into me going back the next year to run a big full development camp that like kind of like what I do here in the U.S. Um, I love hearing a story about a Canadian guy helping you out. <laughs> it's uh, it's it seems to be a common story. <laughs> so uh, after your long flight back home from Africa, you moved back to Montana. Um, you continued coaching and you began elevated hockey. How did first of all, before we get into elevated hockey, how did you get your start with USA Hockey, and what exactly does it mean when I say you're the hockey coach in chief for the state of Montana? Yeah. So, uh, after I got back from Africa, I got, I took about a year or so off of hockey. Like I was just playing in the adult leagues, but I, I kind of got roped back into coaching. Um, when a, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine that I was working with his son, he was going to coach his son's team and it was like a squirt team. So like, you know, eight, nine year olds. Yeah. And he was like, Hey Pete, like I'll be the head coach, but I've never coached before. Like, can you just come and like, to help me with practice. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do that. And then he, his kid ended up unexpected, kind of unexpectedly making the higher team. And so all of a sudden the, the kind of like the lower team of all these eight, nine year olds didn't have a coach and they didn't have a single parent that knew how to, to play on their team. And so that, and I, I, so I kind of got suckered into coaching them and I'm so glad I did because I had a great season that year. I stuck with those kids for, I don't know, four or five years coaching them as they're, as they're coming up. And, and those are the kids now, like if you look at my feet, those are the kids that now those kids are like 16 and they're starting to go all over the U S and Canada with like huge opportunities that, so it's awesome that like these kids, I was able, I at first didn't even think I was going to coach. Now they're, they're like competing at the, I got one of them competing this weekend at the USHL combine, like the highest level of hockey in, in the, in the, in the U S that's a cool feeling. 
Yeah. So that's awesome. So like yeah. those kids, like that little group now they're, like I said, they're all 16 or so now that group of how, you know, 15 kids or so, they kind of got me hooked on it. And so I was, I was working with them for a couple of years and to circle back on your question with USA yeah. hockey, I was, I was with them through just working with these kids. I got kind of asked to work some of the state level stuff. So I started doing some things with, uh, Mont- at the state level development camps and, and kind of the, the statewide uh, events. And then from that, um, just kind of got in touch with some, some people got in touch with me about working some of the, the regional district events that were in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the hockey is, it's, you know, there's state and then the next level up is multi-state. So there's like our, our division is four different States. Like a region. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was like North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, and Wyoming. Gotcha. So I started doing some things with, with their annual events. And then, um, and then there's kind of like one of my mentors that, has kind of helped me along the way. Al Bloomer, he, he had seen that I'd been working all these different events and he kind of got me in with, uh, the, at the national level. So I started working some of the national events in New York and I've been doing that the last couple of years. Um, and then along the way, while I was doing all those player development pieces, um, I kind of was approached by the, the governing body of the state of Montana to see if I wanted to be the coach in chief for, the for the state and what that really entails is is essentially i'm delivering the in kind of overseeing the coaching education component of usa hockey for the state of montana so you've you've gone from the bottom to the top pretty fast there well yeah i don't know about that but i've been uh it's i've had a lot of doors open for me in the last couple of years it's incredible you know just been been you know i've been excited to get involved and kind of say yes to a lot of opportunities so it's been fun I'm sure it has. And what did uh, you started doing some scouting along the way at one, at one point? When did that begin, and how much are you enjoying that part of hockey? Yeah, that's kind of a newer thing in the last two years or so. Um, you know, I mean, I pretty much live at the rinks anyway. Right. You know, I, I started through through that kind of chain of you know local, state, district, national. Um, I also kind of got tied in with, you know, some of these kids that I've been coaching, I've been going off to different camps and, you know, my kind of my network of coaches was growing. And, um, along the way, I, I basically got in touch with the guys at the USHL and, uh, and, and became part of their, uh, central scouting. And, okay. and so that's now this is, I think this is going to be my second season with them. Uh, so I'm working with the USHL as a, as a regional scout. So I, I typically for that, the central scouting, they, they look at building essentially a database of p- potential players for their league um, that aren't on the actual team's radar yet. And so I'm kind of a part of a crew that invites kids to their combines, their ID camps uh, for that. Then the teams end up, you know, they kind of take it from there. So I end up working with like a lot of the 15, 16 year old kids okay. that um, are putting, are being put into that tier one pipeline. And gotcha. then from there, then they the teams grab and they have their own scouting systems, and it's kind of the the way that pipeline works. And then just as of recently, like in the last month, uh, I've joined on with the Minot Minotauros as a regional scout for them, and they're part of the North American Hockey League a Tier Two Junior program. Wow, how many hours are in the day down in the U.S.? <laughs> it's all a balancing act. <laughs> just trying to spin the plates. <laughs> yeah, you're spinning a lot of plates, my friend. And uh, so let's go right on to the next plate, Elevated Hockey. Tell us a little bit about that and when did it start and what's the goal? Yeah, so that started, you know, that started, I think, maybe about four years ago or so. And that basically was a cu- culmination of 
like kind of what I was talking about with those, those district camps, those like state district, regional national camps. Yeah. A lot of the, the players in Montana typically haven't gone past a, a district level. And we started seeing more and more kids with the potential to go higher. And the, the problem we were having is that our season was ending early. And so all these parents, these kids I was working with and their parents were, they wanted their kids to have a shot to keep going and compete against kids in Minnesota or Chicago or Boston or wherever, but we just didn't have the ice out here. Okay. And so I started grabbing, um, like some of the top, not a lot, but like just a couple of the top players in the state and running and being like, okay, well this, this tryout camp that's really important is at this date. So the two weeks before that, we're going to run our own. I'm going to do my own camp for you guys and get you ready to go to Minnesota or Boston or wherever you're going. And I just kind of, it was kind of, I just started doing that. And then I just kind of branded it elevated hockey. And then at the same time, um, I, I was just kind of watching as Instagram was growing and I started seeing all these guys posting their things. And so I just started kind of sharing things I liked and posting things I was doing on Instagram and, you know, just kind of as a more of a doc, you know, a self documentation thing than right. anything else. And it, mm-hmm. and it kind of blew up where all of a sudden I had a lot of people following and asking questions and, um, you know, so it's, it's still as a documentation thing. And then during the season, I, I just kind of share a lot of the, I try to be an open book. So I share a lot of the drills and concepts that I try to do. Yeah. And so those combination of those two, like I was working with these kids, trying to push these Montana kids to the highest level I could and then started documenting that turned into elevate hockey. And now I'm doing not just working with the highest kids, but now I've, I've turned it into more of a grassroots where it's, um, you know, I try to do camps around the state at, at all, for all levels, all ages, all levels, anybody that wants to try to work on their game and get a little bit better. And then, um, a couple around the U S and then I, I try to do one to two, something, one to three international camps a year as well. Awesome. And do you have a, a group working with you? Yeah. So I have not a full-time staff or anything no. like that, but I have, um, yeah, I have typically, I try to have, um, you know, four to four to five coaches with me and I, I'll, I'll tap into a mix of, um, players I've coached before that are kind of yep. older and either playing college hockey or pro hockey now and players maybe that are from that area that are good role models for the kids, like older guys that, um, are playing pro or college hockey right now. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll tap into a couple other, um, just coach. Sometimes there's some other coaches from that, that area that I'm doing that are interested in learning themselves. So I usually try to get some local coaches involved too, because it's a, an opportunity for them to work on the kids and I can kind of show them what I do and then they can you know, hopefully learn from that too. Right. And how, how much are you enjoying that program? And is it something that you think you're going to keep going for a long time? Yeah, I love it. I mean, elevated hockey is, it started off as just kind of my side little side thing and it's kind of grown where I just absolutely love it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, if it weren't for my knee surgery, I just had, I think I'd be doing a lot more camps right now, but yeah, I'm talking, I'm, I'm considering, I'm kind of thinking about turning it into a, uh, a year round program here in Montana, um, where I do like a monthly event in one city, every, at least one event every month. Mm -hmm. So the kids can keep skating. And then, uh, and then I've been talking with a lot of different, uh, programs around the, around the world that once, you know, the COVID uh, situation settles down. And so in the next year or two might go back into doing more and more international camps as well. So well, I think I, you know, I'm hoping it grows. 
yeah, I hope hopefully it does, and hopefully uh, can make a trip uh, to Asia sometime and let me know when you're coming. I'll, I'll, I'll make Absolutely. it a point. Um, so I was going to ask you how you got the opportunity to start coaching uh, at Montana State, but by the sounds of it, there's there's a lot of reasons you got that opportunity. So I'm just going to jump right into it. You're an assistant coach right now, uh, Montana State University. How are you enjoying being an assistant coach, and what exactly are your responsibilities as an assistant coach, like on a, on a regular, on a daily basis? What are you doing um, at the collegiate level? Yeah, so it's kind of funny. I, I will answer your first question too because yep. it's uh, I was coaching some of the younger teams, and I had kids of my own a couple years ago, and right. so I've got two young two young boys of my own. And uh, <laughs> practicality was uh, practices were at like seven o'clock at night, right during mm-hmm. family dinner time, and it was like just hard on the family to have me gone for like two or three hours yeah. right at night when the kids are got to go to bed and have dinner. And stuff. So I was like, all right, well, and then the weekends was gone every weekend. So I was like, well, I'm not going to coach youth hockey anymore until my boys are older. Uh, and then I ended up talking with the university and, and jumping in with them. And it worked out perfectly because I had the, I, I took the, the assistant job, which then rolled into the associate head coach job. And then where I would, the practices were either at 11 at night or six 30 in the morning. So mm-hmm. it was either, Prime ice time. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I see yeah. I mean, those those wealthy college kids and their yeah. uh, prime ice purchases. Yeah. Um, but and then uh, and then I had I basically had the arrangement with them is like I'll, I'll I'll bench coach all home games and then road games will just be an option for me, right? Um, based on what I'm doing. And so for my family, it worked out a lot better. And and the reality is, I end up going on almost all the road trips now. And yeah. my little guys come with me on the bus, and that's oh, wow. great. But yeah, what's so I that, take my what's that schedule like for you guys? Are you traveling far, and 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 how how demanding is it? Yeah, so we play. You know, we practice three days a week, um, and we we play a, a schedule of about thirty five games. And it's it's actually when you look at playoffs, regionals, and nationals, we're actually like if we do well, we're actually up over forty games. Um, so it's, it's most weekends during the, the, the school year. I mean, we start, we, we run tryouts for two weeks and then practice for two weeks and then we jump right into games. Um, but yeah, travel, we, you know, about half of those are home games and the other half we play teams all over North Dakota, Utah, Idaho, uh, Washington. And then we'll go to like a showcase tournament where we'll play a lot of, um, California and Colorado teams and then we'll go to regionals and we'll play teams from anywhere in the West. And then if, if we make it to nationals, like we did, uh, the season before last, that's where we'll play teams from, you know, anywhere that, right. uh, the top 16 that qualify, but yeah. So all those road trips are bus trips then. And so okay. like our closest team, there's one team in Montana. They're uh, about a three hour drive. Uh, after that, you know, we're, when we go out to North Dakota, it's like a 18 hour bus trip. Right. And so you're, you're really up. putting some miles on. Yeah. So we'll, uh, yeah, we, we put the miles on and we, you know, we'll usually try to hit three, get three games in on a weekend to maximize our, our road trips. So we'll play like, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, depending on where we go. And we have travel partners. So we're not playing the same team all three times necessarily. Like we'll play one for one game and then another team will play twice. But yeah, it's a it's a grind of a season, but uh, I love it. The kids love it, and yeah, I bring my my oldest boy comes with me on most of the road trips. That's awesome. Um, so let's get into how I came across you and uh, your podcast. Let's go. 
Um, I stumbled across it one day. I can't even remember where. It was just on, maybe it was on Instagram. Um, I think you and Danny do such great interviews, and you've had some amazing guests. And um, we talked a little bit about this before we came on the air. It's really hard as a podcast, hockey podcast host, to try and do something unique. Tell me a little bit about your journey creating your podcast and um, some of the decisions you and Danny had to make and maybe some of the challenges you faced along the way. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's, uh, yeah, the Let's Go Hockey podcast has been kind of my, uh, it was kind of on the back burner for almost two years. I was, I, I kept wanting to do this. I, I tried it once, I did a couple interviews, I just never got it off the ground. It was kind of one of those things where like, I had the the vision for what I wanted to do, but I just never pulled the trigger on it enough to just do it. And finally during, uh, you know, as the COVID thing was, was ramping up and people were going into quarantine and all of a sudden I was you know, locked up at the house for a couple of weeks and I was like, well, it's either now or never. And so I, I jumped in and, and it was, uh, you know, Danny, he lives in, in Minnesota. So we do all of our, our calls re- remotely, but, uh, you know, he's, got a similar background to me and where he's, he's a coach and he's doing things on Instagram and he's working with college kids and youth kids and just trying to grow the game and, uh, do his thing. And so we, we actually crossed paths in December and sat, I was in Minnesota and we sat down for a cup of coffee and it was supposed to be a 20 minute cup of coffee turned into like a two hour discussion. And we were joking that we should have recorded it because it was, we were talking hockey the whole time. Yeah. And then I was like, well, you know, I've been working on this project. Like maybe if you and I did this together, we could actually get it off the ground and make something special. And and so he jumped on board and we just kind of been off to the races and we got, we got Vinny, our producer on board as well. And, uh, yeah, we just kind of been trying to crank, crank content out there, but yeah, like you mentioned, we've had a lot of, uh, great guests on there and, mm-hmm. and we just try to share the guests, uh, knowledge and, and experience to the people that are listening. And why is podcasting important to you right now? You know, I think it's, uh, it's important to me cause it's, it, it's a new medium, but it's, it, you know, it's people are, it's reaching people all over the world. And yeah. I mean, you're sitting there in Hong Kong and you figured out who I am, Yeah, you know, sitting here in the U S talking about hockey and here we are talking, talking on hockey. So it's, I love it. it's yeah. yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And it's, it's reaching people and, you know, our, our goal for our, for our podcast is, is to try to, you know, give people access to players and coaches that they otherwise wouldn't have access to and to to hear their stories and to hear their advice and, you know, hopefully learn and, you know, get, get some experience and and knowledge from those episodes. And I think if we can reach people, you know, anywhere in the world, I was, I had a blast doing that with my Instagram account and, you know, reaching people all over the world. And this is just another means to, to do that. And I think, uh, I think it's just going to keep growing. Hopefully, hopefully people listen. (laughs) Yeah. I I think they'll continue listening. And I think, you know, the two of us, we kind of have similar ideas around where we're going with our podcast. We really love talking about the development of the game. Um, you know, talking to coaches and scouts and people behind the scenes and, pioneers in these in foreign countries that are that are helping develop the game and and i think that's uh i think that's kind of what we share with our passion for for talking about the development of the game in in strange places yeah absolutely i mean i think it's it's i mean passion is the exact word and and it probably gets thrown around a lot but i mean the reality is is that's what it is i mean that's that's why i'm doing what i'm doing that's why you're doing what you're doing and and you see it, you know, sometimes in, you know, you told me before you're from Nova Scotia and, you know, yeah. I'm from, you know, areas like Minnesota and like you, you 
people get kind of tied into the rat race of hockey sometimes. Mm-hmm. But then you go to an area like Malaysia where I've coached or India or like Hong Kong where you are and you see that people are just excited for the game and they're yeah. just truly loving the game. And it's almost like refreshing. That's the word uh, I was going to say. It's very refreshing to see that. Just It's almost like a child childlike enthusiasm for the game. Yeah, because it's not like the parent that's screaming at their kid because exactly. you're going to screw up a college scholarship or you're not going to make the pros or major juniors or whatever. Yeah. But it's like you're playing for the love of the game and, and the people are getting fired up because of what it is. And and there's so many, you know, there's so many benefits to the game that are just it's an inherent teacher of so many qualities that can transfer to life that when people are able to enjoy the game and love it, then those yeah. qualities can transfer. It doesn't matter if you're you know, on a roller rink in Africa or in a ice rink in Hong Kong or ice yeah. rink in Canada, you know, it, those values still translate. And, and I think that's what people get, gets people hooked on it. Exactly. And, and I always say like the best part of hockey is not, not always the game itself. It's the things we learn from it. And that's the, the part I really love seeing. That's why I really love seeing people across the world in places like, like China and Taiwan, Thailand and, and Malaysia. It's not just the game itself. It's the things that people are going to take from the game later on. And I think it's real important. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, I'll add on that too. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with you, but I also had the, the people in the game. I mean, that's another yeah. part that I didn't even mention with my elevated mm-hmm. hockey. Like I was doing a road trip in Iceland and I was like, you know what? I know there's ice rinks here. I know there's hockey people here. Like I want to have a beer and a burger with hockey dudes in Iceland. And like, I don't know where they are. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I know. And I was like, I was like, cause anywhere you go, like hockey guys are hockey guys. Like you can connect so easily over the game and, and they're just good people. You know, yeah. nine times out of 10, they're good people. And, uh, you know, that was part of for elevate. I was like, Oh, if I had a means to connect with people in different countries that I happen to be in, like, and just talk hockey. And that's like literally what it's happened to be. We're like my connections with guys down in Spain. I've done a couple camps down there now and, you know, had a blast with, with guys in, uh, in Granada and Sevilla, just, you know, having beers and talking hockey after, after doing a practice. And it's literally just from that hockey guys, even if the language barrier is there, you just find yeah. a way and have a blast with them. Hockey guy's a hockey guy. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the 2020 NHL season. I mean, it's been a crazy ride. Um, I think back to the beginning of the season and, and things were, there were so many things happening in hockey with the coach firings and the Don Cherry scandal and the suspensions. And are there anything, when you think back to the early part of the season, any highlights that stand out for you before we get into talking about the playoffs? Oh man, it seems like a lifetime. It ago. does, doesn't I it? Even, I know. Like it's, I seem so removed from it. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't even tell you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, it was uh, – this is one of the guests on our podcast was uh, Sam Lafferty. Yeah. And Sam Lafferty is on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. It's his rookie season right now. and he, But his dad and I, his stepdad and I, coached the MSU Bobcats team together. And so for me, that was probably a highlight of the year because I've known Sam for a couple of years now. And getting – like seeing his family and how excited they were and flying out to the first game in Pittsburgh. And he's a Pittsburgh kid playing for the Penguins. And so, I mean, that's like a minor storyline of the yeah. season. But for me, that was a huge thing. Like awesome. just a kid, I, a kid I know and now mm-hmm. he's – you know, we're still in touch and, and, you know, I know he's been training and 
uh, getting ready for, for these playoffs. So for me, that was a big thing for the season. And, and other than that, I don't even remember the rest of the season. It's all a blur. <laughs> it's certainly, it kind of is. It does seem like an entire year ago. Uh, just for the sake of time, I, I want us to give our, uh, our thoughts and, and make a few predictions on the first opening round of the, the play-in round. I guess I should get the word right. The play-in round. Uh, let's start in the East, Eastern Conference. We're just going to quickly go through, and you can give me your thoughts, and I'll give mine quickly, and, uh, and you can make a prediction. How about that? Perfect. All right, we'll start with the Pittsburgh-Montreal, the 5 versus 12 series. Do you think, well, first of all, uh, your thoughts? Pittsburgh's going to roll. Yeah. How many games? Five. Pittsburgh in five. Yep. Oh, wow. you so going to go nuts. So Montreal's <laughs> going to win a couple of games. I They're like the sounds one. of that. I like the sounds of that. <laughs> yeah, Montreal's hard-pressed here. I think, uh, you know, the depth of Pittsburgh, a healthy Pittsburgh team, real tough to beat uh, at this point of the season. And the only hope Montreal has is is uh, their PK gets hot and they can shut down the pens on the power play. Maybe, maybe Carey Price has a big series and steals a game, but I can't see him stealing the whole series. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think, uh, you know, I think, I think the teams with the high end skill are going to win out in this playoffs yeah. more so than years past. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Pittsburgh in four. Um, second series, we've got Carolina in the New York Rangers. A lot of people jumping on the Rangers bandwagon. Are you one of them? I think I might be. Yeah. I think they're going to upset, but I think it's going to be tight. Okay, so everyone keeps – there's a lot of people saying the Rangers have the best player in the series. That's going to make a big difference. I'm going the other way. I'm going to go with Carolina in five games. I think they, they brought in Votnin and Brady Shea at the deadline. I thought those were two big, two big moves to uh, bolster their defense. And, uh, yeah, the Rangers do have the best line in the series, no question, and the best player. But they also have question marks in net. So that's, that's never a good thing heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I think they'll. Uh, I think they'll shock some. They're, they're going to be the underdogs that 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 win it out. I'm going to say Rangers in six. Awesome. They're five game series though, so I don't think they can oh, win well, in then six. That's not going to happen. <laughs> then they're going to win. Yeah, it's a three out of five. The first round oh, is a three, three out, out of five. five. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, uh, yeah. Next series. Rangers in five. five. Okay, I'm going Carolina in five. Next series, we got the Islanders in Florida. That's a tough one. I I'm going to go Islanders. Islanders. I'm I'm also on the Islanders bandwagon. I'm going to say the Islanders in four. Florida might sneak out one win in that that series. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think we'll see too many uh, straight rolls here, but uh, I think Islanders in four seems pretty real. Sounds good. And the final play-in series in the Eastern Conference, the Toronto Blue uh, Blue Jays. I'm watching the Blue Jays game this morning. <laughs> I'm excited for the start of uh, MLB as well. Uh, the the Leafs and the Blue Jackets. What are your thoughts on that series? Leafs are going to roll. Yeah, they, uh, like I said, the, I think the skill teams are going to really take it to uh, the kind of the grittier teams in this in these shorter um, accelerated playoffs. And I think there's not many more people more skilled than guys uh, on the Leafs, Warner yeah. and Matthews and and the like. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. There's not seven game series. You might be able to grind it, grind out a win, and and then prolong the series and wear a team down. But I have to agree with the skill being uh, the utmost importance here in this first round of the playoffs. So I'm saying Toronto in four. Yeah, I think Toronto in three. Yeah, that they might, I think they're going to go. Torts might find a way to win one game. In my opinion, <laughs> <laughs> he'll yell them to. He'll yell, yell them, yeah, scream a victory. So let's go to the West. 
the Edmonton Oilers in Chicago, the five twelve series. I've got this is the only sweep I've got on the board. I've got Edmonton winning that series in three. Um, qu- question mark. Corey Crawford right now I'm not sure if he's playing and if he doesn't it's definitely going to be a sweep what are your thoughts I think that's going to be the series to watch out of all of these that's going to be my favorite and okay. also uh, I'm going to say a sweep as well but the other way Chicago's going to roll I'm a wow. Blackhawks man they're Atta going boy. Kane's going to Kane and Taze are going to go nuts I, you know what? I, I'm, I was in Chicago this winter just before the pandemic hit, and I went to see a game, and it was awesome. And they're so much fun to watch those guys, and, and uh, they can certainly crank it up at any time. Yeah, Kane is like he's amazing to watch when it comes to playoffs. So I, let alone, even though they're number twelve seed, I'm a Blackhawks guy, and uh, I say they're gonna roll. <laughs> I like it, man. Bold prediction. All right, second series in the West: Nashville and Arizona. Nashville all the way. Those guys are strong. Okay. I'm going the other way. I'm taking Arizona in five. It's going to go the Arizona distance. Five. Yeah, I, I think if, if Kemper gets healthy and if he can play like he was back in the beginning of the season, they'll have a chance. And uh, Taylor Hall and, and Kessel should be really motivated. I don't know. I'm not sold on on, uh, on the Nashville Predators. But we'll see. Uh, Anything yeah, we'll can happen. See, uh, the next, <laughs> the next series, we got Vancouver going into Minnesota to play the Wild. We're not. They're actually not going to Minnesota. They're going to be in the Hub City. But what are you thinking in that right. series? That's a tough call. I okay. think uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to put my money on uh, on the Wild. Oh wow! They're going to. Yeah, I think that's the. They're the dark horse of that division. They certainly are know. a dark horse. Yeah. Uh, I'm going the other way. I'm going Vancouver in four. I think they got uh, all the young stars. They got some young stars. Brock Besser apparently is playing phenomenal right now. He looks like he's a man on a mission. Um, I don't know. I like Vancouver's chances. I like Markstrom as well. Uh, he had a great season. Nice. How about uh, the final series in the West, Calgary and Winnipeg? Yeah, that's a tough one. I think um, I'm going to go with Winnipeg on this one. Yep. And I think uh, I've got two reasons. One, I think uh, I think they've got the the scoring power. This this is a toss up, though. I mean, yeah. the Flames have the the skill scoring. The the Jets have the scoring the skill scoring. Um, but we we just had uh, CJ Seuss, one of their wingers, on the podcast coming out in two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I got I got to I got to say, get a cup to the Jets. All right, I'm going with the Jets in five as well. I think that's going to be a real hard hard fought series. Yeah, that'll be a good one. That'll be back and forth. All right, Pete. Well, thanks for your thoughts on that. And um, before we move into the overtime section of the podcast, how can people get uh, in touch with you or follow you and, and find out about you, about Elevated Hockey and your podcast? Yeah, my uh, best way is on, on Instagram uh, for Elevated Hockey. It's, it's at Elevated Hockey with a E-L-E-V-A-T-E-D hockey uh it's also elevatedhockey.com which is where i list a lot of my camps and clinics that i have coming up uh, and then the podcast is uh is on itunes spotify google podcasts it's the let's go hockey podcast uh, so on on instagram and facebook and, and a website as well highly recommend checking out the podcast folks these guys know what they're talking about and they do great interviews they have very interesting guests every week uh, support podcasting, support hockey podcasts, and check them out um, anytime. Thank you, Pete, so much for taking the time. I know um, you're you're obviously a very busy guy. I, I think I got you at the right time, right after knee surgery, so you're kind of stuck at home. So I could squeeze out some time from you. But thank you so much for uh, coming on and sharing your story. 
Yeah, Chris, this was a blast, man. It was, uh, I hope we can connect again sometime, but I appreciate you having me on and love hearing about hockey in Hong Kong and in Asia, and hopefully I'll be skating there at some point in the future. And that sound brings us to the end of the interview. Will you stick around for the overtime questions? Yeah, for sure. All right, overtime is brought to you by the Big Bite Restaurant. Ah, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to talk about some food. You like burgers, ribs, hot dogs, milkshakes, or even some poutine? Well, you can find them all in one spot. That place is called the Big Bites. They got a cheaper than cheap deal on chicken wings. Three bucks. Only three bucks a wing. Tuesday nights in North Point. Wednesday night in Shektong Choi. Every Thursday night at the Big Bite Flame and Grill in Shektong Choi is steak night. For 100 bucks plus a little bit of service charge, you can get a 10-ounce premium Canadian steak with your choice of sauce and unlimited fries or salad. Right about now is when I used to talk about a Thanksgiving special that they had. I even remind you that Christmas was coming, and they had turkey. And speaking from experience, it was delicious. Speaking of delicious, you should go over to their North Point location and try the PB&J burger. That's peanut butter and jam on a burger. Sounds gross, but it's not. Don't agree with me? Come on over to the studio and we'll drop the gloves. Check out more information on their Facebook site at the Big Bite HK. That's the Big Bite HK. Go fill your belly. All prices are in Hong Kong dollars. Overtime! <laughs> All right, Pete, I'm going to ask you a series of 10 rapid-fire questions or one-timers, followed by one final bonus question for our listeners. Are you ready? Ready. Crosby or McDavid? Crosby. Bowman or Burns? Burns. Price or Rask? Price. Probert or Domi? Probert. Ovechkin or Malkin? Ovechkin. Lindros or Neely? Lindros. Scott Stevens or Wendell Clark? Stevens. Matt Sundin or Peter Forsberg? Ooh, Forsberg. Fighting or no fighting? Fighting. Gretzky or Lemieux? Oh, man. I think Gretzky. Finally, who is the best coach currently coaching in the NHL and why? Oh, man. I think... um, I'm going to say Cooper. Because he's different than any other coach in the NHL. And I'm a big fan of different. He's a player's coach, doesn't come from a big hockey background, and he gets his guys rallied around him. And uh, I think it's only a matter of time before he's got a cup under his belt. There you have it, folks. John Cooper, currently the best coach in the NHL. Pete Kamen, thank you so much, Coach, for taking some time to come and talk to me today. My pleasure, Chris. This was a blast. Have, uh, have a good one. I appreciate you bringing me on. All right, folks, that was Across the Pond, and that's a wrap. Thank you to our amazing sponsors, as always, The Big Bite, Yardley Brothers Beer, Ben Marin's Photography, Sunset Studio, Print House Limited, and Asia Sports Tech. Finally, thank you to Lauren Orris and Fiona Chow, who have helped us as advisors and liaisons to Hong Kong's hockey world. To support the podcast, check out our amazing merchandise on our website at acrossthepondhk.com. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at acrossthepondhk. 